sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. Right here on the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. I am Dane Martinez. I got Kevin Walsh with me every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Kev, we got a full slate of baseball. And here's the thing that's weird for us because there's been at least like one team with a coronavirus pause pretty much since like the third or fourth day of the season. So we have 15 games uh, going on. All teams are in action. And as I mentioned, Kev, okay, with the exception of Orioles Nationals, everybody is playing another team in the division. Kev, we are almost a quarter of the way through the season. And so having a division matchups this weekend, I mean, when we do Monday mornings early line, the, the standings are going to look different, and we will be past the quarter pole of the season. I know it sounds crazy, but these are some big weekend series going on. No, it, it, I mean, it's massive, right? Um, and, and, you know, there, there's, a, there's, there's two other matchups where you have um, out of division, right? But it's, they're all still within, like, the West. You know what I mean? Like you've got, and you've got, or or within the center, yeah, like Colorado, Colorado, Colorado Seattle, sure, right, 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 yeah, 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 you know sure. I mean? But 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 it but it all still matters. It, you know these these teams are all still within the same breath of one another. You're still playing teams that your opponents are going to have to play, right? So you look at it. There's a lot of pressure on a team like the Rockies to be able to beat up on the Mariners because I'm sure part of them says, well, the Dodgers will do just that, the Padres will do just that, and honestly, mm-hmm. as much as we probably. You know, might be wasting time mentioning it. But the Tigers are still a 500 baseball team right now, and if they can go out there and do something similar to what we saw the Marlins do to the Baltimore Orioles, maybe there's a world where you know what, and they can go out there and beat up on on the Pirates. Like maybe Detroit's more live than we would think. The White Sox, you know, if the White Sox have a bad weekend coming up against the Indians, like it's not crazy. Yeah. So. That's the thing about this scheduling that has worked, I think, with the truncated season as well, is the matchups aren't random, right? And that is something that I do like. Absolutely. And so, listen, there's going to be big impact, and that's why I'm starting to look at these division standings when we talk about it, and there's so much funkiness going on, right? In the NL West with, you know, the Phillies and the Marlins and the NL Central. Now that the Cardinals are on pause, they're very interesting division sets, especially when you take the context of the standings. When we talked about the Baltimore Orioles before, Kev, we mentioned that they were in second place in the mm-hmm. AL East at five and seven. Well, the Rays are also at five and seven. The Rays, the Orioles, the Blue Jays in that division, they're all looking up at the Yankees. They are four games back of the Yankees. These Tampa Bay Rays, four games back of the Yankees. And I have a very intriguing pitching matchup in this one, okay? The Yankees go down to Florida and we've got Blake Snell on one side and Masahiro Tanaka on the other, I got to tell you, Kev, the fact that this game is minus 108 on both sides is intriguing to me because the Yankees have been putting the lumber to everybody. I know they got upset yesterday at Philadelphia, 
but they keep it going. And I don't think you're going to get the Yankees at a minus 108 number all too often. Do you like them with Tanaka on the hill in Tampa? I mean, this is probably the shortest line you've gotten them at all year. I think it might be the shortest line you've gotten them at all year. Here's the interesting thing. I was having a conversation with someone. We were talking about the pitching that, as we welcome in our radio audience, thank you for joining us here on the early line. Kevin Walsh and Dane Martinez get the edge here on the great. So we're talking about the Yankees here, Dane, and they've not faced a ton of great pitching. And, you know, so they beat up Max Scherzer that first game, right? Then they struggled sure. against Patrick Corbin. They lose to Zach Wheeler. And then they did win that game, that Aaron Nola pitch. So they're going up Nola. against Blake Snell yeah. here. Here's the thing with Blake Snell. First outing, two innings. Second outing, three innings. How many? How long is Blake Snell going to realistically pitch? Because you would say, home field, Blake Snell, minus 108. No brainer. I don't care right. if they're playing the New York Yankees. But if Blake Snell's only going to go four innings, well, then that changes your... your Perception of this game, obviously. I mean, the other thing that I'm trying to figure out here is because there's been look, and I'm not, and I'm not bashing people that said this. I think I was someone who said it as well, right? The idea was this was supposed to favor the Rays, right? This was supposed to be, you know, this. You mean the season context? Yeah, right. it was supposed to favor the the Rays. They've been bad. Like, there's no yeah. other way to put it. They they've been bad. They've lost six of their last seven games including getting swept by the Orioles, which you can't really overstate here. And not that you can, look, can a division race be over this early? No, not necessarily. But if the Yankees go out there and sweep this team, the right. Rays are 5-7. and seven. The Yanks are 9-3. and three. Could you imagine a world where, you know, it's 12-3, and three, looking down on 5-10? and 10? This series matters a ton for the Rays. I think it's hard to play without knowing how long Blake Snell is meant to go in this matchup here, but look, I have an early lean to the Yankees because I think you won't, as you've mentioned, you won't see them at this kind of price very often. Yeah, it is rare to see them at a minus 108. Tanaka on the hill for the Yanks. I think you're right also. Listen, that's why I make the point, Kev, that we're at the quarter pole of the season, okay? Time is going to go very, very quickly in this one. If the Yankees were to somehow get a sweep, right? We'd be going from four games back to seven games back, you know, in the blink of an eye. And, you know, especially now when you talk about the Orioles, right, also right there at five and seven. And when we come back, we'll talk about the fact that the Blue Jays and the Red Sox will be playing this weekend. One of them will win a series and then hop above Tampa as well. It gets crowded. And as the Yogi Berra used to say, it gets late early. When we come back, we will look at the rest of the games on the MLB slate, the matchups for this weekend. And then we're excited to welcome in our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, to talk UFC, all that in hour number two. Come on back after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge right here on Sports Grid. Kev, you know, I mentioned that these divisional matchups 
I know it's only a quarter of the way through the season, but every game matters a little bit more in this condensed season. We said if the Yankees go ahead and take care of business against the Rays, the Orioles we don't really believe in, like, you know, the Marlins are sweeping them, then I'm looking to find who's going to poke their head up out of Toronto and Boston. Both of those two teams sit below 500 tonight. We're going to see uh, Tanner Roark on the hill for Toronto, Ryan Weber on the hill for Boston. Uh, cool. How do you see this one? Like, both of these teams have an opportunity to announce themselves. Remember, second place in the AL East is ripe for the picking. Announce themselves as Ryan Weber Seriously? takes the mound. Yeah, yeah announce, buddy. An, uh, announce that they are opting out as a team because they have no pitching. <laughs> uh, look, uh, they really we, don't. We don't. We we. It's so great. Like they like it's Nate. So go, is oh, that it? Do you like these Blue Jays young kids? Do you like these Blue Jays bats? The kids to start to get healthy. Remember, Bichette has not been doing it so far. Yeah, and he was he was banged up. I know he missed a game or two. Um, for me. I'll look to play the total here. Obviously not posted yet, but that'll be a, a spot that will have my interest uh, in this game. Admittedly, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you kind of say, look, they have the chance to announce themselves, and, and that's you know tied to the fact that the Rays have been so poor of recent. But I do also look at it from the other perspective, right? You know, the Blue Jays still haven't played a home game, right? The right. Red Sox are kind of doing this thing where they're either really good or really terrible and they look really terrible like as much as you know the Yankees might be able to run away with the top of this east here it almost seems like the Rays instead of doing it because they're great they might just be able by default be able to get that second spot in the east which to be fair is all they need because then you go Morton Snell Glass now when you get to the playoffs that's right yeah I mean so it will be interesting and that's the thing That's the beauty of this expanded playoffs, right, Kevin? We have talked about this because you said they could defecate the mattress all season long, limp in as a seven seed, you know, and then all of a sudden they've got a three-game set against, you know, the Minnesota Twins, for example, right, (laughs) who is a great power-laden team that's been crushing the ball all season long, but then they run up against Snell Glasnow, you know, and Morton, and all of a sudden they get bounced out. That's like exactly yeah. how I expect it to go for this Twins team. You know, they're a middle, I think they're a regular season team. What happens when they have to do it two out of three times against ace pitchers like they would see? It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, but you're right. Someone will announce themselves, and that's all they'll need to do is get into the tournament. Kev, I talk about these division standings and matchups, and quite frankly, the, the besides the AL Central, which has, you know, three teams above 500. The only other division in baseball that can make that statement is the NL West, right? And you know, the Dodgers are there. You know, I've kind of adopted the Padres as a team that I am definitely following, but neither one of those teams are in first place in that division. That honor goes to the Colorado Rockies. And Kev, I got to tell you something. I think the schedule smiles upon them. In this weekend, with a lot of divisional matchups, right, we're going to talk about it, but the Diamondbacks and Padres are going to get after it. The Dodgers and Giants are going to get after it. The Colorado Rockies have an opportunity, in my opinion, facing the Mariners this weekend. It's in Seattle, but if the Colorado Rockies stay hot, they can get a working margin as the rest of the division 
cannibalizes itself against each other. The Rockies right. send out Sensatella. The Mariners send out uh, Kikuchi. And it's minus 108 on both sides. That's surprising to me with the way Colorado's been playing recently. I think it's a great point, though, that you bring up. And they really, again, you know, with all due respect to the Tigers and the Pirates, but we've talked about it. everybody's playing their division except the Rockies have the Mariners and the Nats have the Orioles. Right. And if those two teams can look at it where, all right, there's a lot of guaranteed losses out there for teams in this division. What that's an right. opportunity for us. Because even if the Dodgers pick on the Giants, okay, that's fine. But you've mentioned it, the Padres right. and the D-backs are going to play one another. And at the minimum, you know, then we can, you know, push the Giants out, you know, to bed, who are still 6-8 and eight and somewhat hanging around here. Right. And the Mariners have started to struggle now a little bit. Uh, losers right now uh, in four of their last five games. So I like where the Rockies are. They've looked good. And here's the thing. Again, the pitching has stepped up for them. And on a nightly basis, you give them a shot with that offense. So we talked about it. We talked about it. And we've talked about it. There was always going to be one or two big surprises that were going to come out of this truncated season. The Marlins right yep. now are the surprise that nobody even could have you know, possibly seen coming. Sure. But the Rockies deserve that credit as well because you know, they've played a full slate of games. They are. Nine and three, and there there are things that you can look at with this team and go, yeah, you know what? I'm buying it. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Listen, Marquez has been great on the hill. We know about their offense from Story and Arenado and the crew. They continue to just hum right along. People may not take them seriously. All oh, the inflated offense in Colorado, but here they are. They stand at nine and three. They will pass the quarter pole of their season this weekend. And Kev, the way I framed it with the West as the only team with uh, the, the only division with these three teams above 500, right? At this point, there's a good chance that if you finish in third place in the NL West, you may qualify for the playoffs, right? And so that's why these division matchups become even more important. To your point, if the Dodgers just dump truck the Giants, well, that puts the Giants maybe to bed for the idea of you know second or third place in that division. Same with Arizona and San Diego to a certain extent, right? If one of those series goes you know, a sweep in one way or the other, either Arizona is put to bed or the Padres fall off you know, a bigger distance from the Rockies making that comfort zone. So let's go to that series as well, because as I mentioned, the Diamondbacks will be playing the Padres this weekend. How do you see this one going? This one also, you know, the Padres are minus 122 favorites here. Zach Davies mm -hmm. on the hill for them. The Padres were hot coming out the gate like gangbusters, right? They, they have cooled off a little bit, though, more recently, I've been all about them. And then you're like, yeah, but they lost two in a row. You know, I've been like, hey, talking about the fathers. Yeah, but they lost two in a row. You know, so do they get back now with Arizona? They have an opportunity to make hay in that division, stay sure. above 500. And again, in competition with these teams in the NL East or the NL Central who are struggling right now, a series win from the Padres solidifies where they are in the global National League playoff race. I can't believe we're saying that, but we're saying the National League playoff race after a quarter of the season. Right, and, that, and that's what it is. It's a big spot here for both these teams. The Padres' early excitement came from beating up on this Diamondbacks team, but the D-backs right. now were able to go out there, take two in a row off the Houston Astros. Offense woke up a little bit, had a 14-run game for them uh, at one spot here. And now, 
you know, the Padres have lost four out of five. This is a team that is struggling a little bit. It's a massive series for both of these teams. Also, just because I know we're coming up against the gun, I do want to mention what I would probably label, Dane, the most important series, or at least the biggest series this weekend. Ah, Astros Athletics. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a, what yes. a massive series this is. And what's really going to be interesting here is you've got Zach Granke priced as a, as a minus 102 dog who's not been good to start this season. Could it be a bounce-back spot for the Strohs? The A's have now won five in a row. They currently yeah. have a two-and-a-half game lead over the Astros for the top of the mm-hmm. West here. This is a yeah. massive series. This is a very big series in the AL West. You are right, and it's ironic, right? I mean, it's the Oakland A's, like you mentioned, with a two-and-a-half game lead on Houston. Houston also has other things to worry about, okay, Kev? George Springer left the game earlier this week with a wrist injury. Also, Ryan Presley, who's supposed to be this team's closer now that Roberto Ozuna has been banged up and is on the IL, he blew a save chance, okay? They had an opportunity there in Houston. We've been worried about the back end of this Astros bullpen, and Presley certainly did not ease any concerns of Astros fans with a blown save. This division is something we will look at when we pick our head up here on the early line Monday morning. But when we come back, we turn our attention to the UFC, which has a card tomorrow night. That means our guy, Jay the Sports Keg CEO, joins us. We got more winners coming after this. But until now, let's get a news update from the Sports Grid Group. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody here on SportsGrid and everybody, including our radio audience around the country, keeping it locked bright and early in the morning right here on the early line where we give you the edge. Dane Martinez, of course, we got my main man, Kevin Walsh, and we are happy on a Friday like every Friday this summer to bring in our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, when we are talking UFC. Jay, I feel like I haven't spoken to you in a couple of weeks. I know you had an issue last week. We hope your tooth is okay. I was out the week before. You were talking with Kevin and our guy, Mike Blewett, who was filling in for me. How you doing, brother, man? It feels like I haven't spoken to you in a couple of weeks. I'm doing good, man. Everything is going well. UFC is going well. Uh, Hitting those PGA golf winners early. So things are good. Nice. Uh, I am on Brooks Kepka over Bryson DeChambeau for the tournament myself. I don't like DeChambeau being disrespectful to the municipal course and thinking he could just bomb everything and then hit a damn sand wedge with his second shot. That rubs me the wrong way, Jay. But I digress. We bring you in, obviously, to talk about UFC. And I know, listen, next Friday, we've got a pay-per-view to discuss with Stipe and Cormier and all that big stuff. But an interesting card here tomorrow night as well. I want to get your thoughts. We start with the main event. Derek Lewis, a minus 188 favorite. Is that an amount of juice? I know you're not usually comfortable laying that kind of juice. How do you see this fight breaking out, Jay? Yeah, I mean, intriguing fight. Always a classic matchup. Uh, Powerful, punching heavyweight in Derek Lewis against the heavyweight grappler in um, Alexio Lenick. 
I think the fight probably comes down to three factors. The first is the fast start for Alexi Olenek. He will come out in the first round. He's going to set a serious pace on Lewis. You know, he's hard hitting and he's going to make Lewis work. He will try to get Lewis to the ground early. And there is a chance that Olenek gets Lewis to the mat. If he does, he'll be working for an early submission uh, Olenek's cardio looked solid in his last fight against Fabricio Verdum. If he comes with that gas tank again, looks that good again, it increases his chances in the fight, I think, twofold. Second factor in the fight, the low-volume striking of Derek Lewis. We know that it only takes one punch to end a fight when you have that kind of power. That said, Lewis, he's not a high-volume striker, because his gas tank is always an issue later on in fights. It's a Mm -hmm. five-round fight, and you have to assume he's going to be pacing himself, and you have to hope that Olenek, his pace will zap the energy from Lewis through the first two rounds of the fight. Final factor is the kill shot, man. The only way for Alexi Olenek to take this fight to the ground, which is where he wants to take it, is by getting inside, level changing, getting his hands on Lewis. That means that Lewis is going to have an opportunity for that kill shot on entry every time Olenek goes for a takedown. 25 minutes is a long fight, man, for Derek Lewis to hit that button one time. I think that if he catches Olenek clean, good chance he puts him down and ends it. The question is, will he have enough power if Olenek is successful in zapping that energy. The line opened up about minus 265 on Lewis. He's now wow. minus 185. So you wow. can't take Alexi Olenek now because the value's gone, right? You can take Lewis if you wanted to. However, I like taking the shot that the fight goes over one and a half rounds at minus 120. Could get a little hairy in that first round. But I have to believe that both these guys realize there is a chance that it could go long. It's a five-round fight. So I think that I think we're going to get there. I think they can get past seven and a half minutes, even though you're probably going to have to duck some bombs early from both guys. I kind of like the over one and a half at minus 120. I think there's a little value on that total. What's what's interesting for me, Jay, with Derek Lewis is obviously you you mentioned the powers there, but he hasn't knocked anybody out since 2018. It does seem like he has not been able to really figure out this gas tank very much. I mean, if the fight goes past, right? If it does go over, I'm curious for you: Would you take a a dart throw on this fight to go the distance then? Because as much as that power will remain there for the whole fight, it's plus 440 for this fight to go the distance. It just seems like Derek Lewis is so tired as soon as we enter round three. I mean, he can hardly breathe. Do you think at plus 440, it's a chance this fight could go as far as the full distance? You know, I, there's a chance. My concern would be if you start to get into that third and fourth round, and it becomes mm-hmm. easier for Alexio Lennick to take Derek Lewis to the ground, there will be a very good chance that he's able to submit him on the ground in the latter rounds of the fight if it mm-hmm. gets there. So, you know, 
it's always tough to bet a heavyweight fight to go 25 minutes. But you're right. Even though Lewis has slimmed down, he's looked better recently. He still has gas tank issues. And if Olenix cardio is anywhere near his last time out like it was against Verdum, uh, I, I think that there's a really good shot. The fight turns dramatically into a Lennox favor, and he could easily get a submission in the latter rounds. All right, Jay, let's talk about this co-main event on this card. Chris Weidman is a name that I know, even as a casual MMA fan. He's minus 136, at least currently, on the sports duel, uh, on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Have we seen movement in this one? As I know in the fight game, style makes fight. What kind of style are these two guys bringing to the octagon tomorrow night? Yeah, you know, Dana, I thought I had an accurate read on this fight immediately when the line dropped. But this uh-huh. week, I interviewed uh, MMA journalist James Lynch on the Run Pure Bets YouTube channel that I have a stake in. And after that interview, I took a step back and I reevaluated the last five, count them, five fights that Chris Weidman has lost in the octagon. He's been knocked out in all five of those losses. His mm. chin is now made of glass. Luke Rockhold cracked that chin initially, and it's never been the same. Could possibly be the worst chin in prof- in professional mixed martial arts. <laughs> like, li- literally. So, you know, James Lynch brought up a valid point to me. If you look at the fighters who knocked out Weidman, They've all been at the top of the division. They've all been straight killers. Now, Omari Akhmedov is good, but he's not a finisher. He's a grappler. Chris Weidman is almost definitely the better striker. Plus, we know that Weidman is a Division I All-American wrestler. He's got great takedowns. Um, he's got phenomenal top control. So I think that they're comparable grapplers and Weidman is probably the better striker and has the better finishing power. Question is how durable is Weidman at this point in his career? You know, there's a strong argument to be made that if Akhmedov can't knock Weidman out and put him away, he could easily lose this fight. So if, if Weidman does lose, it would be his worst loss in the cage by a mile. With that said, it, it's worth noting that Akhmedov fought to a draw against a really game Martin Vittori. He beat uh, Ian Heinish who I consider still to be a solid middleweight. So if Weidman is going to win the fight, he's going to work for it. The line opened up around minus 110 on both sides. Mm. Weidman is now minus 150 at a few books. So I think if Weidman continues to take money, there's going to be some value to pop out the other side on Mariak Medoff. Uh, Weidman's the big name. I would wait. See if the public keeps attacking the Weidman side. And if you start to see plus 140, plus 150 on Omari Akhmedov tomorrow night, I think that there's value probably in taking the dog. Let me ask you quickly, Jay, on Weidman. I saw he was in the news a little bit this week kind of talking about when he thinks he'd like to hang up the gloves. And one of the, you know, kind of sayings around MMA, and maybe it's entirely because Dana White's always the one saying it, but when you think about retirement, retire for Weidman how much juice is there left for this guy I mean if he loses this fight like could we see him hanging up as early at the at the end there and does that worry you going into this fight that his head might already be thinking about his post-fight career 
You know, I've heard I heard an interview that that he said he thought he was a couple fights away from a title shot. I mean, that's either that's either CTE or the guy's <laughs> delusional. Like, so I don't really know, Kev, how much gas is in the tank. And for him, career-wise, I know how much gas is in the tank in that chin, and there's mm-hmm. zero gas in the tank. So, yeah. I, you know, I mean, he's got the confidence of somebody that's looking to be a world champion. I just don't think he has it. Damn. All right. So listen, sometimes when, you know, in, in all sports, right, the end comes quick and sometimes you're the last person to know. So it's interesting to me, this idea of Akhmedov and you think he may be even getting value because of the brand name that Weidman is, even though he is towards the end of his career. Jay, we got to take a break in about 30 seconds. Would you be able to hang out with us for a couple of minutes on the back end? Because I know there's a ladies fight that we want to discuss. You mentioned you may have some parlay partners to throw out here also for the early line crew. Are you okay to hang with us after the break and come back for a couple more minutes to go through that, uh, that third fight? Come on, bro. You, you guys are family. What do you mean? <laughs> Absolutely. That's what I'm. Listen, here's the thing though, Jay, when you know you have to kill a minute until break, you ask the guest a question that you know the answer to, and you know will be a quick answer. <laughs> That's what we do here, baby. It is hosting vamping 101. But when we come back, we've got that fight that Jay is going to tell us about and some other parlays to put together. Don't miss that. Come on back right here in the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. As always, I got my man Kevin Walsh, and we continue on with my guy Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, plugged into the UFC like nobody else. We appreciate having him on every Friday this summer, hoping to get you your stimulus check. You don't need the government. All you need is the edge right here on Sports Grid. Jay, interesting ladies fight going on. I hope I get these names right. We got Stolyarenko going up against Kuniskaya, and it's Kuniskaya that's a big favorite, minus 235. You said you want to talk about this matchup, but a lot of times when I see minus 235 and like plus 195 coming back the other way, and you say you want to talk about it, I am intrigued. What's the lean on this one? If you're looking for a live long shot, Sally, there we go. I think it could be uh, <laughs> Stoylarenko. Uh, listen, Yana Kuniskaya has never really impressed me. She doesn't like to be pressured. She is susceptible to solid grapplers. And Stoylarenko does both of those really well. She was really impressive in her Invicta FC Championship fight where she won the title. It was one of the better women's MMA fights I've seen personally in recent years. Uh, She's a savage. She sets a ridiculous pace. 
She pressures her opponents. She throws a ton of volume, even though striking isn't her strong suit. And she could submit you from almost anywhere. So should she be the favorite in this fight? No. Uh, But at the same time, should she be in that plus 180 to plus 200 range? No, she shouldn't be. So I think from a value perspective, she is a very live dog tomorrow night because stylistically she does things well that Kuniskaya doesn't like. So you shouldn't go crazy with it, but a, a half-unit flyer never hurt anybody because it wouldn't shock me at all if she won this fight. So uh, she's taking money. So if you want to ride that dog, I would ho- probably hop on it now um, because it probably will continue to drop. Hmm. Now, Jay, let me ask you before we let you out of here, right? Dane, Dane always loves a good dog. That's why he was back in the nets against the Bucks the other day. I'm a great Dane after all. Line. Come on now. Exactly. <laughs> well, for me, look, I love parlays. Parlays were always a blast. Uh, it, look, they're, they're a good ride. Uh, and I think you have a, a couple of fights that you might look to pair together on this card. Yeah, I listen, man. I really like Nazrat Hawkeress. I know he dropped the last fight against Drew Dober. Um, I think he's one of the better prospects in the UFC. I think he gets back on track, even though he's fighting a really good Division One wrestler. So if you parlay him at minus two forty and over one and a half rounds in the Kunitskaya Stoylerenko fight gets you to around uh, plus one, I'm sorry, minus 120. I also think um, uh, another dog I think um, that's probably worth your time is Andrew Sanchez at plus 130. And, you know, in terms of favorites, if you want parlay fodder, Kevin Holland probably gets the job done. Yusef Zalal probably gets the job done. Um, Benil Dariush and Erwin Rivera probably get the job done. So I think that those are favorites if you want some parlay fodder. If you want the dogs, you take Stoilerenko, uh, mm-hmm. and I think Andrew Sanchez and Justin Janes are live dogs. All right, fair enough. Well, thanks as always, Jay, for spending a couple of minutes with us on a Friday morning. I am excited for next Friday. When we're talking about the pay-per-view, everybody from Stipe and Cormier all the way to the return of Kevin's guy, The Sugar Show, next week. So I know we'll be excited about that one. We'll bring you in next Friday, okay? Have a great week, Jay. You too, guys. Absolutely. Good stuff there. Um, Out of Jay, the Sports Keg CEO, as always. Kev, I am intrigued by this Stolarenko at plus like 195 right now. And he says it's moving in her direction. She's a beast and kind of does the things that are the concerns of the opponent. Remember, style that style makes fight. Interesting. Uh, a live plus 190 dog uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, look, and I think one of the more interesting things, though, at this parlay is it's a lot of the earlier fights on the card there. And we talk about this all the time. People like to see a couple winners try and come in, then they can you know, decide how they want to play uh, later fights. If you take two big favorites in Hovland, uh, and Yusef Zala, and then also uh, with his guy Nazrat, who's going up against Alex Munoz, you take those three fights, it comes out to plus 112 on the money line. Now, these are big favorites. Of course, you want to be careful. But look, that's right. a three-fight parlay that gets you some plus money. Big favorites and maybe gets you off to a nice start. 
Yeah, absolutely possible. A lot of ways to play it. And listen, Kev, there's so many ways to play it this weekend, okay? So much action going on this weekend. We talked about an NBA slate. We talked about Major League Baseball, right? The NHL playoffs continue, but we've got more. We've got a UFC card going on this week. And also, we have the return of Champions League soccer in Europe, Kev, which is pretty interesting to me. Remember, uh, Champions League kind of paused, right? So some of these matchups, Kev, are leg two, right? Of a home and home with aggregate, and the conditions have obviously changed. But today, the Champions League picks back up. You got Juventus versus Lyon in one matchup. You got Man City against Real Madrid in another. These are interesting as the Champions League resumes in the middle of uh, mm-hmm. their home and home. I believe it's the quarterfinals we're in around that territory. Yeah, look, this is it's big stuff here uh, getting underway today. Juventus down 1 0. On aggregate, Cristiano Ronaldo loves the Champions League. This is a big spot for this team. Man City, up 2-1 on aggregate, returning back to the Etihad, having beat Madrid in Madrid. And one of the things to know, again, uh, with the FanDuel Sportsbook, with the options that they are offering you, okay, because Mm -hmm. there could be extra time in these games, there could be penalties. Same story with the MLS. These you know, three-way money line bets are final after the 90 minutes plus stoppage right. time. But you also have the ability to bet to qualify for the next round. So that is a good thing to note. So, for example, right, you know, yeah. Juventus is minus, one, minus 190 on the money line. If they win through the first 90 plus stoppage time, one nothing, you will win that bet. This game will continue, though, into extra time. So keep that in mind. If you, for example, want Juventus to qualify for the next round, that is minus 118. That wager, Dane, keeps you going potentially. Now, Juventus could wrap it up before then, but potentially through extra time and maybe even then into penalties if they are needed. No, definitely a good point based on where they are in the tournament, how this is the leg two of the home and home out there in Champions League in Europe. We would be remiss if we did not also discuss that the finals for the MLS's back tournament has been set. Um, Host City Orlando, who never, no one ever thought, has advanced. They will see Portland in the championship of that one. That's not until next week. We'll try and have our guy Tom Bogart in on that one. At least at this point, the host Orlando City are plus 140 favorites in that one. But the championship is set. We tip our cap to Portland and Orlando. They are the two teams left standing. It's ironic, Kev. We thought at one point that this and the poll that we had up, right, said that at one point this tournament would not complete. There are now two teams left. It is Portland and Orlando, so we tip our cap to them. We will certainly break that game down next week, maybe bring in our guy Tom Bogart. I also want to look, Ev, to the PGA Championship. Remember, the first major of the year got going yesterday. As I look at the top of the leaderboard, I remember, Kev, you guys were talking about things like you know, finding who would win from different countries, right? Best South African, <laughs> best European. Remember, you were looking yeah. in that market. With our guy, the Raging Redhead, well, it is Australian Jason Day who finds himself at the top of the leaderboard, tied with Brendan Scott 
Both of them are minus four. Big group of golf. I mean, minus five. Big group mm-hmm. of golfers at minus four, including our guy, Brooks Kepka, other names like Xander Shoffley, Zach Johnson, and other bigwigs as they start to tee off around two in a couple of hours. Yeah, it is wild, though, how different this is from all these other tournaments because this is taking place out west. Like, I was on yeah. in-game live uh, with Jared. And there was still golf going on, on, right? Yeah, he was like, oh, I just got this Victor Hovland bet to come in. I'm like, what? It's 8.30 at night? What are you talking Like, that's kind of, it was, it was one of those things, like, you forget right. how late in the day um, it's actually starting. Look, Brooks Kepka was the big chalk piece, if you will. Um, you know, Cam, usually within that six-pack, will give us a big dog that, or I guess that's not the right way to put it, a, a big favorite, you know, one of the bigger names at the top of the board that he thinks has a good shot. He was, you know, pre, uh, you know, T plus 1,100, right? So a, a good shot there. Uh, 11 to 1 he was. Now he's plus 480. So Brooks kept yep. gets off to a nice start. I'll say this about Jason Day. Uh, he was playing some pretty good golf coming into this tournament. Uh, and a lot of people thought that, you know, he could play well. What's plagued him, though, has been injuries. And it was maybe two or three tournaments, two tournaments ago, maybe three. But I, I was backing Jason Day on like a, a single day kind of wager. And it was mm-hmm. a real sweat down the stretch because his back gave out on him. And that's kind of been the thing for Jason Day has been health. So it's nice to see him sitting at the top right now. You always want to see athletes uh, stay healthy. But one of the things to follow, of you know, can Jason Day's back withstand a, a true major run. No, and I think that's a good point. Remember, we talked about that as it related to Tiger Woods. We talked about that with Kepka and his little, you know, nicks and cuts and bruises as well. Remember, this tournament going on in Harding Park out there in the Bay Area on a municipal course, ironically, but not only the time zone difference from usual, Kev, but the fact that it's a little chilly out there. Okay, it's been in the 60s. There has been some weather out there. So if you're dealing with the back, like you mentioned with Day or maybe even Woods, or you're dealing with um, any kind of issue where you need to kind of get loose, right, and get that swing juices going, it's a little bit easier to warm up in 85 degrees in Florida than it would be in 60, 65 degrees out there in foggy San Francisco. Um, right now, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, Brooks Kepka, the favorite at plus 480. Jason Day, the first round leader at nine to one. Xander Shoffley in between them at plus 750 for the overall tournament. Top 10s, top 20s matchups, a lot of way to skin the cat. Kevin, you got something to add on this? Yeah, I was just going to add something that, um, so after, you know, we, we do, uh, we have Cam come on with us on Wednesdays. I, I get to hang out with him on in-game live for a little bit. And, you know, yeah. I like to continue to pick his brain. One of the interesting sure. bets that I, I asked him about was the tournament winning score prop. Okay. And hmm. there were two bets. It was 10 or lower, or it was 11, minus 11 or better. Right. So right, right. Know, if a guy shoots, the winning guy shoots yeah, yeah, yeah. 12, right. You know what I mean? Um, they've given you live updated odds in that market now. Where minus 102 for the winning score to be minus 13 or better, the winning score is minus 110 of minus 12 or worse. And at the time, Cam, now maybe he's seen something that would change his perception, but I'll just toss this out there to everybody. At the time, he liked the score, the winning score to be around the 8 to 10 range. So maybe an overreaction from a good first day. Something to keep in mind now that you're getting minus 112 on minus 12 or worse when the initial pricing of the high side was minus 11 or better. So you've now added two extra numbers to a score there. 
That's interesting. I would also look at the weather this weekend to see what that will make the course look like. Will it be even harder to get through during the weekend? Also, in this jam-packed weekend of sports, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that the Travers Stakes goes off tomorrow afternoon at the Spa in Saratoga. Tis the law, my guy, an even money favorite. Keep an eye out on Barkley Tags for us tomorrow. We'll come back to end up the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, here on the early line and on to the grid where we give you the edge. Kev, you know, up next is the morning after. And I know that Ariel is out today. Jared is holding it down and that you are going to join him for a little bit. So I have two jobs for you. One, mm. please tell him, ask him about how's my horse Tis the Law look now? Because in the Belmont and previously in the spring, I was on Tis the Law and he was like, mm-hmm. nah, 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 I like these other Bob Baffert horses. Now Tis the Law won the Belmont. Tis the Law is an even money favorite from the Travers. So ask him about, you know, the spitting statistician's horsing handicap. And then also tell me, what else are you guys going to talk about without Ariel there? You and Jared, you know, you're going to have some fun. Are you going to be talking about this UFC card? We talked with um, Jay, the sports keg. You know, what are your bets there? But what other kind of action are you and Jared going to be getting into as we head into a jam-packed weekend of sports? Yeah, my expectation will be us talking a lot about the NBA. Um, yeah. With you know, whenever I get on with, with that crew, uh, that's usually where we like to go. You know, we obviously uh, went through everything here today, so that will uh, that'll be fun. And part of the reason I think that we always talk basketball is Jared and I host BATR together for a while. But I would like to let right. people know if potentially uh, you would like more basketball insight and you like more of the combination of myself and the spitting statistician, then do check out BATR because he is now my co-host there, and we have a lot of fun, and I I think we're going to have a pretty good show as we get to now dive into some of these issues a bit more, Ben Simmons, what the Sixers should do, and even talk about the state of college basketball, if you will. No, I think that's absolutely fair. I am excited to join you later on this weekend for betting around the rim. And the other question I have is motivation we're talking about, right? Like for some of these teams that are now locked into some of their positions with maybe three, four, five games left to play, what will their motivation be? And how can we get ahead from a value standpoint? That's what we do here on SportsGrid. And that's what we'll do next time on the early line. Have a great weekend, everybody. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.